0: Hello and welcome to episode 80 of Talking Dirty, doesn't that have a nice ring to it? Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, super patterned, we've got checks. we've got, I don't know, what are they, planets, Chinese dragons, who knows, planes, he is absolutely bedecked in colour and fabulous as ever, Alan, Edward, Herbert Grey, our happy and very handsome horticulturalist.
1: Well, thank you very much for that introduction. As for my my jumper, it's a bit like me. It's everything you want it to be. (laughs) (laughs) Beaming with with great fun and great relaxation after a lovely week's holiday um, on the South Coast, we have Thordis Maria Sophia Frederiksen at home in Cambridge here.
0: Indeed, I am. And we're talking of bringing us everything we want and being everything we want it to be. Our guest today, a regular on Talking Dirty, one of our favorites is Dan Cooper always obviously the frustrated gardener, but now also of the freshly newly launched Dan Cooper garden. How does that feel?
2: well it's uh yeah brilliant <laughs> after I sort of like. Oh, popping my eyes open but yes absolutely brilliant after um thinking about it for quite a long time so yes very satisfying
0: We obviously the last time you were on talked a bit about the fact that this was germinating you were growing this company which has literally launched yesterday by the time this is uh, going out to the world and uh, it's, it's the culmination of like an entire life's passion because you've been so crazy about gardening for so long, but your career has largely been nothing to do with horticulture. And yet you've blogged and you've given us all of these articles and all this great advice and plant recommendations for, what, 10 years to actually be able to bring your passion and your profession together is uh, is just the kind of moment lots of us dream of, really.
2: Yes, I do feel incredibly lucky, actually. I, I made the most horrendous deviation, didn't I? <laughs> by um, <laughs> by uh, leaving horticulture gardening as a career and, and going off in another direction, which, you know, if these things happen. And, I, you know, I don't regret that for a minute, but um, it has been amazing to have the opportunity to sort of get back into it. Definitely older, certainly wiser, <laughs> But with, you know, the experience that I hope I need to be able to make a success of it, because, you know, retail is pretty tough at the best of times. I think probably having one of its tougher moments right now with everything that's going on in the world. And of course, people shopping increasingly online. So it's, you know, it's a very different retail environment. And I don't think anyone fully understands where it's all going at the moment I I sort of console myself with the fact that I'm sort of starting at a difficult time so things can only get easier that must be right I
1: I think personally I think one of the great things that I find I mean I'm itching with anticipation to get on this website and start ordering things because um, I'm a gardener and I'm getting stuff that's being offered by a gardener so you understand the problems and the practicalities of the various objects and things that you're going to be using, many of which you've used yourself and you've probably tweaked and improved and all the rest of it. And for a start, I just want to say I covered that apron because <laughs> I mean, I'm mean i increasingly frustrated with gardening aprons. I love a gardening apron because when you're lugging bags of wet compost up your front, you know, your thighs get messy, your trousers get messy. You need an apron. It's a practical thing. Um, and it even turns on some of the ladies that come to the garden in the spring, in the summer, when I'm wearing shorts and they look at me and they say. Have you got anything on underneath that apron? <laughs> I said, why would you like to lift it and have a look? <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to adjust
2: my product description for this and on the basis of that, Alan. <laughs> but, um...
0: <laughs> I think you need to give us a bit of a twirl uh, because if you're watching the video oh. version, we can only see the top of the apron, but it, there's so much more going on.
2: <laughs> so much more. Um, well, I shall have to uh, arise delicately from my chair, but uh, yeah, so there's... Uh, the, the, um, the straps sort of cross over at the back and tie at the back if you're slim which I most certainly am not then I'm told that they can even get round your front and be tied there but that's not something that's <laughs> going to happen with my uh, shapely figure so um, th- are you uh, people will also be relieved to know that this bit here is not here on the one that you will buy it's sort of discreetly down the bottom but I decided to keep this one because it's quite a nice um, bit of Product, well, it's nicely. nice to be
0: branded with your own name, I think, at the top of your apron.
2: <laughs> but not everyone has to go around the garden with that bit there. It will be, it will be positioned down in the bottom um, left-hand corner. So then you have got, and I should have demonstrated better. So this handy little bit here is very good for putting snips in. I've got some very nice new wacky snips that fit perfectly in there, <laughs> and uh, so it sort of keeps them about your person. And then there's a couple of pockets. They're not great, big, fat, sort of gaping pockets, but they're 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 good for seeds, sort of um, pencils, plant labels, all that sort of detritus that you sort of end up accumulating and is never where, where you want it. So, um, so yes, and there is this color, and then there's a very nice sort of army green colour if you want to um, blend in a bit more into the background but so um, yes there we are is that you're fully appraised of fully me?
0: appraised and also never. neither of us really ever do blending in do we so uh...
2: <laughs> I know well I'm looking forward to actually bringing in some other colours of this but I thought I'd you know there's one thing I've learned in retail is that you know I could have I could have done this in red or fuchsia pink but everyone will go oh isn't that lovely and then buy the green one so um (laughs) they will come in due course
0: I look forward to (laughs) fuchsia so you mentioned tools I mean I feel like show and tell is normally just for the guest but I think uh, Alan and I have been lucky enough to receive uh, some raw. I think Alan's not necessarily got his tool with him because it's too dirty <laughs> to bring into the house. <laughs> we were very lucky to get the most beautifully packaged, I mean, beautiful tissue paper, lovely horticulturally themed uh, present in the post from Dan. I and had wood
1: wool. Hmm? Wood wool. I mean, do you know what I mean when I say wood wool? I it's don't. find wood shavings, which it's used to pack things in. Uh, we used to use wood wool, well, years ago, we had a hatchery. Um, a chicken hatchery and we used to use wood wool as, as lining for the boxes that the day old chicks were sent out in. Ah, yes I mean you don't see it that much do you but it's, no, it's nice no. to have. and it's, it's a natural
2: product. Very useful for lighting the fire as well. Yeah yeah. <laughs> so you can
1: get rid of it very easily. You oh. can recycle it with with pom. <laughs>
0: your website because I've been looking through and coveting lots of things from the apron to the many tools lots of lovely noaki things and lots of useful things and and what Alan alluded to is that you know you you do you are an active gardener and you have you've got the things that you think are useful and that people want so thanks I think that's
2: been that's been fairly critical uh, to me as a as a brand because I think you know there's a lot of stuff out there. Very few of us need more stuff. We just need the right thing for the job that we're trying to do. And I I think there is a great tendency to kind of offer everything and think you've got to have loads and loads of stuff. But in the end, you know, we're all busy people. We don't have a lot of time. Somebody who has some experience can curate something and Put together something and tell you that this is the best of its kind for that job then I think that that takes a lot of onus off people and it gives people confidence to buy things.
1: What do you call that three-pronged tool that you just had in your hand a little while ago? A claw cultivator. Well I saw that immediately and thought I could have used that yesterday for raking out leaves between perennials when I was going through a border.
0: Tough Um, I got it!
1: (laughs) You can have one with pleasure Alan.
0: But a <laughs> um,
2: cultivator it, it just makes sense. It's it's very very handy. As you you did you did point out one of the things that's actually really great for is just getting debris out of tight spots because we yeah. all we all get that sort of build up of leaves or you know bark or whatever it is and it's quite good for getting that out also just if you want to sort of titivate the surface of the soil if it gets a bit sort of like with all the rain that we'll probably get in april it will get panned down a bit and if you're sowing seeds and things like that you want to sort of break it up a bit and create a nice tilth so it's it's good for that and you know and it doesn't require a lot of power so if if for people that 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 you know, don't have the strongest fists, or you know, can't put that amount of of strength into it. It's a it's a good little tool for that, and um, and quite quite sharp tips, so it sort of gets right in there, even on a heavy soil.
0: Yeah, they are sharp. I share with you, <laughs> <Yes>. Alan. Um, <laughs> of course, I mean there are so many different tools and tables and chairs, seeds. I know that you want to sort of branch out the yes. gardening pun when it comes to the plant offerings but what I'm really excited about is the advice because even though I've probably been gardening for over 10 years I still feel like it's so early on in my gardening journey and to have that really detailed advice I can't even imagine how long it's taken you to put together these articles I mean the frustrated gardener we've got used to your writing style over the last years but the the in depth side of it, but also the kind of at a glance pointers for for people is um is just absolutely what we need.
2: It's I actually really enjoy writing them. They they do take an age, and I think the reason they take an age is because I I sort of live in fear of of actually giving people poor advice, and so I I really. Do try and check what I'm saying, and and it's and it's very hard. I think as Alan probably knows, when you when you do have such a sort of store of information in your head, it's quite hard to distill that um, and not start going into lots and lots of detail and giving lots of anecdotes because that, that is my tendency and I very much suspect Alan will be the same. So, so the, the, the challenge is always to distill it down. My, my non-gardening friends, of which I, I have more than I have gardening friends, are always telling me not to assume too much knowledge which is an interesting challenge as well because I have to sort of take a step back and when I write things like hardening off and um you know I can't think of another one now but that was one that I was people don't know what hardening off is if they're not a gardener so you you kind of have to take a step back and think how do I explain these things that are sort of second nature to me but yeah they take a little while but they are a fundamental part of what I'm trying to do which is to bring the product and the knowledge together because there are some, there are some absolutely cracking websites out there for buying products from for your garden. And there are some cracking ones for information, but there are only a handful, I think that are good at both and put everything in one place for a, you know, a garden lover. And I am very much sort of aiming at the garden lover rather than the gardener. Or or as well as the gardener, because there are a lot of people who love their gardens, but wouldn't call themselves a gardener necessarily. So I want to try and make it a comfortable place for them to come and look for information and things as well. So, yes, a key part. And, you know, I will start with a reasonable amount of content on there. But the ambition is that there will be a lot more over time and as the months progress. So one of the main things you'll find there every month is a sort of really comprehensive guide about how to enjoy your garden that month so everything from gardening tasks to actually what enjoyment can you get out of your garden because you know we us gardeners tend to get very busy get down to the jobs and sit down very rarely but but each month I'm going to try and uh, highlight what marvels there are in the garden to be enjoyed and and you know when you have those moments of calm you know what to look out for
0: and i don't think people can really understand how comprehensive these are it even includes houseplants so they can only know by going and reading some of these articles and there'll be several um already but there will be loads more so you just need to go to the dan cooper garden website and read them because we can't really get across Uh, hear how how fulsome and, and wonderful they are to read but you talked of wonderful things in the garden and we've had a little sneak peek at some of your show and tell over your shoulder, the coordination is something else, Dan. We expect <laughs> this from you, but you've got this like kind of biscuit-coloured wall behind you, a lovely, rich sort of mustardy yellow t-shirt, the daffodils of every tone over one shoulder, and I know you've got some other colourful show and tell off to off to the side of the screen. So it's uh, it's quite a vision on the uh, the video version of the podcast. But Excellent. what would you I like to hear it? What would you like to start
2: with? Well, um, you mentioned the daffodils behind me, and these are all daffodils from the allotment, actually. So what what we do is we, everything, as as you know, in our garden is planted in pots, pretty much. And um, we put them in position when they're doing their thing and they look their best. And then we kind of move them quietly out of the way when they're finished so that the leaves can die down naturally. And that can sometimes, with daffodils, take until about June. And then because the bulbs are sometimes a little bit smaller in their second season, particularly if you grow them in pots and you don't sort of feed them um, once they finish flowering, they can be a little bit smaller. So they they get transplanted to the allotment for their second year. And so these are all um, from the allotment. We just sometimes bung them in in big clumps and sometimes can be bothered to put them in rows, but, (laughs) you know, sort of free flowers, really. And they, over a couple more years, they bulk up and they become really excellent sized bulbs again. Daffodils much, much better at uh, flowering the, the second year after planting in a pot as opposed to tulips which can be a little bit iffy which we've talked about before haven't we but I am I am um, sat in this sort of cloud of fragrance that's almost um intoxicating because I decided to talk about hyacinths today or bring some hyacinths in and I think one of the things I'd like to do when I get on to selling plants which to be clear to anyone listening to this I'm not going to start selling plants straight away because I think we all know what the pitfalls of of mm. sending plants out in the post are when I do get there. What I really want to do is try and focus on some of the plants that are perhaps currently less popular but might be popular again in the future. And we we almost talked about chrysanthemums did <laughs> last year. They're they're already on their way out of the the doldrums. But there there are lots of flowers that perhaps aren't as popular as dahlias are at the moment, for example, that could just do with a bit of a champion. So hyacinths will be on my list. They are um, you know, they're a sort of marmite thing. I I think in a previous conversation, Alan very correctly pointed out that they're they're so much more pleasant the second year when the flowers aren't quite so monstrously lollipop shaped. (laughs) And I was actually a tiny bit disappointed this year when my hyacinth bulbs turned up because they were a little bit on the small side I have to say that I much much prefer the display that I've got this year to the one last year when they were like they were like those microphones that you see you know <laughs> like a big long perfect lozenge so they're not so much like that there are the uh, flower stems are a lot more open and and they're just generally a lot more pleasing but there aren't you know they if, if you know Regular gardeners will know that it's the same old varieties that pop up in the catalogue every year. I think there is someone in the United States who has a heritage um, collection of hyacinths, but they are, you know, unusual ones are pretty bare. And I don't to be, I don't have any unusual ones here. These are all very standard ones. But they are absolutely fabulous in pots. They flower before the tulip, so they they deliver that like wow pop of colour as soon as they come out and this I I wish we could do scent on this fabulous podcast because my garden is literally the minute you come in through the garden gates because we're completely surrounded on every side by fences and walls it traps the scent inside Mm. and it's it's amazing and every year I say oh we should plant more hyacinths and for the last couple of years we've done what we said we were going to do and planted more hyacinths and it's really really worth it so i, I should show you some it's time to get the towel because as, <laughs> as as it's customary i will get soaked with water and probably all over my computer keyboard as well so um what should we start with? So I think this is probably one of my favourites. Um, oh, it's all
1: slimy and yucky, look. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why we did the I say, Dan, can I just interrupt you a minute? This is called Talking Dirty, you know, so you're all right with a bit of slime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all right with a bit of slime. Yeah. A bulb...
2: Um, a bulb grower was telling me the other day about this hyacinth snot, which I've I've not encountered. Have you? Um,
1: no, 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 no.
2: Apparently, in in the bulb sort of growing world, this is some horrible goo that comes out of the bulbs that um, obviously does concern some people when they see it. But I've I've managed to go forty years without experiencing hyacinth snot. So, <laughs> so
0: long will that continue? Okay. <laughs>
2: Um, but this is uh, this is one of my favourites. I don't think there's any year I don't grow this. So this is Gypsy Queen, um, which is a very nice sort of peachy colour. There's a there's a few sort of tones of pink, and the flower head isn't quite as dense as perhaps the ones that you would grow um, indoors. And I think they're better for that. What what you don't really get, interestingly, with hyacinths, like compared to roses or something, is there's no real variation in scent. I don't think. I don't no. you know. If you can, your uh, nose can uh, tell the difference, Alan, but I
1: I think all pretty much smell the same, don't they? Yeah, Yeah, they do. Yeah. Interesting what you said about the, the size of the spike of the flower, because when I buy my hyacinths for the garden here, I always buy them from Jay Parker Dutch Bulbs Wholesale. And I always buy, they sell their bulbs in three sizes one, two, and three, three being the smallest. And I always buy the smallest bulb because i don't want that big fat spire in the garden because it's going to just flop over and, and hit the earth and get messed up anyway um, yeah. and just look a general wreck so i'd rather buy more bulbs at the cheaper price of the smaller size um, and you know you don't notice the difference and another hyacinth that i love i don't know whether you've heard of it dan it's a blue one called anastasia or if you're terribly posh anastasia um uh, (laughs) anastasia three years ago was a little bit more expensive than all of the others three years ago we had it in the garden and now the where it had a single spire those bulbs are coming up with three four and five much smaller spires on them and they are absolutely terrific so if you can get hold of it anastasia's or anastasia is a very good one to look out for (laughs)
2: I get to look out for that. I bet it looks lovely with sort of primroses and yellows. And yeah, things. it does. It
1: does. Absolutely beautiful. Yep. I grow up with um, the purple one called Woodstock. Oh, ah, And the blue yeah. and purple look. <laughs> Here comes a Woodstock, everybody. <laughs> so, yeah. I, this is a That's really, my favourite hyacinth.
2: It's a fabulous colour, isn't it? Mm. I mean, you you can't... It's, it's I suppose, a sort of black curranty. Um sort of royal purple. Ribena on a stick. Yes, exactly. Won't try eating it, but <laughs> it's um, very, very striking with yellow. It's good with white as well. Um, and of course, there's so many yellow flowers around this time of year, so it really helps that if, if it goes with yellow. But it's just a lovely rich colour without mm. being as dark as the one that I showed you last year, which was Dark Dimension, which is so dark that it's very hard to actually see it unless you um plant it with silver things and actually after we had our conversation last year i promptly went out and um repositioned all my (laughs) hyacinths next to silver leaved plants on alan's recommendation but but this this is a good glowing purple and it will really show up in the garden so very very nice and um and it does come back yeah. Um, year after year, this one, if you want something a tiny bit um, lighter than this, Miss Saigon is very nice. That's also a, a very pleasant colour as well. It's a little bit more um, bluey pink, I yeah. think, than, yeah. than this one.
1: I was going to add something about hyacinths. I talked about the size of the bulbs. In the catalogue that I mentioned, Jay Parker, Dutch Bulbs Wholesale, they actually give you the flowering times of, of hyacinths. So if you want to grow two colours together, you don't want to plant an early one and a late one so they don't overlap. You want to be, be as near as possible. Um, so you get early, mid and late season flowering hyacinths, which is always a useful thing to know.
2: Yes, and it really does extend that sort of period of fragrance as well, yeah. I think is is such the, the nicest thing about hyacinths really is the
1: other thing I was just gonna to say to people, if they do if every you know, all those gardeners out there, we all do lasagna planting now. And the one thing you have to do if you want your garden to look smart is to deadhead your hyacinths just as the tulips are coming through, because lots of people don't bother. And then you see this sort of these horrible brown dead handkerchiefs flopping over the edge of the container. It looks disgusting. Yes. And
2: the smell does go off as well. Yes, I, it does. I, yes, I, it I does. Well, It's not nice once they start to go brown. So, you. Dropping you
1: hyacinths you, is most unpleasant. <laughs>
2: Exactly. Um, The other thing as well is while we're on sort of tips of growing hyacinths if you do plant them in a pot en masse or in a bulb lasagna hyacinth bulbs do have this tendency to create an eruption so if you plant them very very close together they'll they'll push their roots down and their bulbs up and you can find that they sort of push themselves out of the soil a little bit so if you if you if you keep them fairly well watered that does stop it to some extent but um it it, i find that that happens quite a lot probably because i plant sort of maybe 20 in one pot which is which is quite close together
1: the other thing i'm just going to add about hyacinths, while we're still on the subject in case i forget um, sorry, Dan, I don't want to push in, but at um, Water Beach in Cambridgeshire, there's a chap called Alan Shipp. Now, Alan Shipp has the national collection of hyacinths, and I think that he has certain days when he is open and you can go and you can look at unusual hyacinths. I mean, you know, some people are going to want to have the odd, the unusual. I mean, I know that you would, Dan, and I would too. If there was a green flowered hyacinth, hyacinths, we'd want to grow it, wouldn't we?
2: <laughs> yes, that would be a thing, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it?
1: or one with whiskers on or something whatever you know um so if if anybody wants to go and uh, look at that do look at Hyacinth national collection water beach in cambridge and the the guy's name is alan ship
2: it's one of those one of those things that's really sad i think in horticulture is that flowers can have these moments of glory and i and and then sort of almost disappear without trace and I understand, although my um hyacinth history isn't probably as up to scratch as it should be, my understanding is that there was that, you know, a similar phenomenon to the tulip mania yeah. with, with hyacinths at one yeah. stage, and that the bulbs changed hands for vast amounts of money. And there were thousands of varieties of hyacinth. And, and now, as you say, you look at Jay Parker's or whoever else's catalogues, and, and you might find there's 12. In there, And I, I suspect, you know, these are the ones that have stood the test of time. They multiply readily so the growers get their sort of value for money. Um, but I suspect there are many, many older varieties that have much less sort of poised flowers and are, and are very slow to grow. That are... I think
1: that's one of the things about some of the older varieties that we don't see today, and that is that they do require an awful lot of fussing. Um, And years ago, when there were a proliferation of large country estates where they had gardeners um, that were able to take care and nurse these hyacinths, I mean, there's a huge cachet. There's one or two available today, well, probably six or seven double flowered hyacinths, which you don't see very much. Now, they actually do require quite um, a large amount of fussing over to, to make them reproduce and to keep them going. And that's what those old gardeners did um but today we don't have the time or the knowledge or the inclination perhaps to do that
2: no no and uh, but but great that people that have the national collections do mm. that work for us because you know what what will happen at some point is that 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 genetically someone will make a, make progress and then those older varieties will become useful again because they will have genes they will have the double flower gene for example or Something else that allows them to be sort of crossed back with a modern variety to get exactly something that. amazing. So it's that's so what important always, to
1: the gene pool to keep yes. these things going. That's
2: what, always what makes me sad to think that um, you know, and it's same to an extent with daffodils that some, some of these varieties that had amazing attributes have, are just lost now. You know, they can't they can't be recreated, but. Um, Yes. Well, let's not get on. Let's let's not be sad about Hyacinth. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to get Woodstock back out again because um, you were were talking about uh, ones that flowered at the same time. And and this is my tulip colour scheme for this year. So these are the sort of precursor to that. So. um, Bright pink, uh, bright purples. And this one's, I never know if it's Jan or Jan Boss, but um, I, I suspect quite an old variety. And as you can see, as Alan said, this is one that's flopped over, hence the um, the curious shape of the spike. But it looks rather nice, is not it? Um, but I, I really like these two together. They're such such sort of 80s colours, aren't they? They're like they look something out of dynasty. But... Um, <laughs> But I do. I really love these two together, and they, they they flower bang on on cue alongside each other. So that's that's brilliant. And then then um, I have an I. That's the sort of jungle garden that have those colours in. And then the other garden at the back is I call it the gin and tonic garden purely because that's where uh, the sun goes at gin and tonic time, <clears throat> whatever time that might be. Um, <laughs> Sunny all the sunny all the time here. <coughs> but um, in spring and spring only, we do stick to sort of gin and tonicky kind of colours. So green, yellow and white. These are my choices for out there. So we've got um, this one, which is City of Harlem, again, this has only just started to come out, so hence the rather rather small spike, but it's, it's a very nice lemon yellow, it's, it's not as sort of harsh and bright as most um, daffodils yellows, so soften things up, it's a bit closer to primrose than it is to sort of daffodil yellow. this this one is a good one for just sort of letting it go and it doesn't sort of seem too out of place those other two colors obviously quite bright and then um whites this one's carnegie absolutely whopping uh great flowers on on this one Whites, you know again not not difficult to place in the garden this time of year doesn't scream out too much but um beautiful big flowers and so you can see from a smaller bulb that it's not quite as solid so but yeah they all smell exactly the same there's no no real difference between them but uh they tend to be the this sort of very rainbow of colors there's there's not many subtle nuances are there <laughs> alan really and hyacinths they're they're so, color and
1: yeah i think You've just given me an idea for my one one of the things I have is a, is a lead cistern, which you see from a long way away. When you first come to the garden and you look down this uh, path into the garden, it's at the end of this path is this large cistern. And I'm gonna put John Jan Boss or Jan Boss and Woodstock in there together next year, because it's oh. such a statement. At the moment, I have in there. My tribute to Ukraine, which is yellow and blue polyanthus, which I grew quite a lot of this year, and as, and way before we knew what was going to happen in the Ukraine, yeah. and I suddenly thought the the squirrels have been digging in there and sort of eating a lot of the tulip bulbs, so I whipped the whole lot out and replanted them in the garden and just stuck blue and yellow in there. But next year, hopefully, it'll be more peaceful and we will have Jan, boss and Woodstock.
2: Yes, let's hope so. That would be that would be a good uh, outcome, wouldn't it? But. Hmm. Um, yeah, they're certainly very, very striking, I think, those. And a tulip like a Graffiti or something like that, uh, that sort of will carry on the, the Jan Boss or Jan Boss colour would be would be fabulous.
0: This has been a complete revelation to me, I'll be honest. I have spent... Do you ever have that thing where you, you want to like a plant, but you don't really so I, I always,
1: I'm, <laughs> ever, yes, forever. I'm, I do. you know? I do. It, you just hit the nail on the head, Thunder, because I'm doing it at this very moment with camellias. I mean, camellias—those <laughs> big blobs of bright colour. Um, I planted masses of them 20, 30 years ago in the garden, and they are now some of them are tree-like proportions. And although I have a sneaking respect for them, I have
0: to say that in my head, I really don't like them. I think that that sums up I love the scent of hyacinths and I've I've forced them before and had them in the house so that I can enjoy them in the house but I don't know maybe because my a lot of my pots are in the shade so I don't have I I think they really work in containers but I never quite know how to use them in the garden and I I think you're right Alan a sneaking respect and, and a love of certain aspects of them but I've never really used them but I think you have inspired me that maybe next year, either side of my front door, two of the only sunny containers I have, I think they might might be quite nice there.
2: Yeah, and I think the other thing, as Alan said, is to just let them go native a bit, because they lose that awful sort of stiffness and rigidity once they start to... um, form smaller bulbs and put up little more, more sort of bluebell like spikes really it's actually
1: it's, it's rather like weaning weaning an athlete off um, um steroids <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get that kind of spelt face figure back rather than that overblown over muscly butch lumpy thing <laughs> i think uh, familiarity
2: breeds contempt with a lot of plants doesn't it i think gladioli yeah, yeah. probably have suffered yep. some of the same you know they just become ubiquitous stiff um plants that 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 get bad associations for people because anthemum's exactly the same you know it's mm. just get, get petrol station fall i'm gonna say flowers.
1: supermarkets and petrol stations yeah. <laughs> don't do them any favors dan But <laughs> it doesn't that's
2: not the flower's fault that's oh. our fault for putting it in that that context and actually and and then of course it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because the growers then grow more that look like that because that's what they think everybody wants and they they sort of become dumbed down if you like but yeah. um you know they, they everything has its place doesn't it and I, th- I think it is um hyacinths are, are, are you know there are there are some very early flowering ones so you you can really get a big sort of you know block of no, really nice bright colour that almost seems too early for the season and of course the scent as well which you you just can't I mean I, I I'm sure there are people who don't like the scent of Pires, and it's just <laughs> there are that don't like the scent of lilies but you know it is it is a it's a very evocative scent I would say and you... it is
1: very evocative I think it's the scent there's that is, that is... Personally, for me, I can't bear it indoors because it's too cloying. I can't bear lilies indoors either. But in the garden, I don't mind because you get a whiff as you pass. You don't have to be enforced with it. And Jasmine's (laughs) a bit like that as well. We've got Jasmine polyanthemum flowering its head off in the pelargonium house at the moment in the garden here and when you open the door it takes your breath away and it really is too heavy and you need to open all the doors and the windows and let the scent dissipate a little bit before you actually force yourself to go into the house. <laughs> yeah
2: i think actually alan you just just struck me that you got it spot on when you were talking about woodstock and looking like ribena on a stick in the hyacinths are a flower that needs diluting and yeah. you know so you're talking <laughs> about the fragrance you know you don't want you don't want neat hyacinth <laughs> um, <laughs> you want you know a whiff of the fragrance and you want uh, a freer sort of flower not the concentrated sort of lollipop shape but um anyway each to its own I love them and I, every year I do plant more of them they're they're very easy and as, and so the the same for these as um, the daffodils. I, in fact, I put a picture on Instagram yesterday, but all the um, sort of X hyacinths go and get planted in rows at the allotment. And they're so cheerful. They take up very little space. And, you know, in a row or a block, it doesn't matter if the flowers aren't particularly big because you still get some nice color. And bees love them as well, which I probably should have mentioned.
1: And you're taking on the theme, Dan, which is what everybody's wanting to do, and that's to grow more of their own cut flowers. Yes. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day because last year, a friend of mine called Gilbert, who used to work for us before he retired, he has some, uh, well, two particular plants on his allotment. One came from me and the other uh, uh, is an iris that he grew, called a barbarous iris called Iris latifolius, which... They refer to in the catalog as the English iris, but that's rubbish because I mean it comes from the Pyrenees. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> you can only get them in two colours today in Parker's catalog: There's a rich blue and a white. Um, and the the gladiolus is um, we you know we just, you just touched on the the vulgarity shall we say of certain gladiolus, but there's some some sort of species ones. And I've got one from South Africa called gladiolus cardinalis, which is a species type but it is the most vulgar red and white flower you've ever seen. <laughs> but it flops nicely. So if you plant it in a raised bed and it will sort of flop forward or grow through other things. And what Gilbert does on his allotment, he lines these out in rows, the iris and the gladiolas for cutting for his wife. Um, and he digs them up regularly and he sorts through the bulbs and grades them. And as they make more, he grows the small ones on in a separate row and puts the bigger ones back provide flowers for next year and this is what everybody could do with their hyacinths and with their daffodils and narcissi Um, not tulips i wouldn't say so much because tulips there are very few tulips that really stand the test of time and last Um, and i think probably they need some kind of heat treatment for i understand from richard a friend of mine that um some members of the tulip society where they grow those old-fashioned broken tulips or rembrandts where they've got split colors all of which are virused and they lift their bulbs, they put the bulbs somewhere exceedingly warm and leave them there for about a month to uh, to help initiate the flowering the following year. I don't know quite how it works, but that's what
2: they do. Well, I wonder whether that, I mean, my grandfather would have oiked all the tulips out and then put them on the greenhouse staging and let them all dry out. And I wonder whether that that might have a similar sort of effect. and the that, heat you on the bulbs yes, that really you know quite quite significant heat might actually mm. um impact them, but you have just you have just led me on to a shameless plug, which is um <laughs> about <laughs> bulbs because um. I am going to launch some Bulb collections, not not immediately, not straight away, so they won't be there today, but um, a little bit later on in the month. And one of the Bulb collections is uh, seven varieties of tulip, which are all reliably perennial. Um, Please don't ask me to reel them off now, but... um,
1: (laughs) Dan, not, not only are you a shameless plugger, but you're also very good at initiating an ask back because we're now going to have to want to know. And I'm not going
2: to remember. <laughs> so, what I've done is it's a rainbow of colours. So, you've got one from each colour of the rainbow. I think, um, let me try and remember some of them. So, Purissima is in there uh Queen of night is in there negrita there's an there's an apple dawn at least one apple dawn in there, but I think most people you know know that those are pretty good perennial tulips um I can't remember what the orange one is called it's not, Oh, an old triple a um is the orange one but they've all been chosen specifically because they will come back year after year whereas as you say the vast majority won't so that was quite fun putting that together and interestingly I I, I can't say that all of them do but I, I'm pretty sure the majority have AGMs as well from that list so they have sort of been tried and tested.
1: That's an important point but for people that don't know an AGM stands for the Award of Garden Merit and that means that it's been judged by the uh, Royal Horticultural Society and uh, all these eminent plants people and they judge on the qualities of the plant not just how good it looks but also its longevity um, the way it, you know its vigor for instance and all of that kind of thing so if you get four tulips to choose, and you choose the one with an AGM you should not necessarily will but you should be getting the best of the bunch
2: Yes, I mean, it's a it's a really, really good guide, isn't it, for people that, um, yeah. well, it's a good guide for anybody because actually sometimes it's a toss-up between do I go for this one or that one? I think occasionally it's the case that, it's a newer variety. The RHS don't trial everything all the time. They do very specific trials each year, and some of them go on for years, don't they, Alan? Yeah, um, they do. To, to be like able, the to...
1: Rear trial we're doing at the moment. It's the most boring thing you've ever seen. <laughs> 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 but somebody's got to do, it, hey?
2: <laughs> well, now, is, is it what can we learn from it so far? Is there anything? I've, I, I think you have just hit on one of my plants like ha- plants that I know I probably ought to like, but I really don't. And I've yeah, that, be- that is because my grandma was obsessed with that gold leafed one that has bright pink flowers. And yeah. I I didn't like it when I was a child, and I still don't like it now. We, I, th- my, and my parents had one. So I don't know very much about spireas, so you can
1: correct me. But is it called bridal veil or something? There's one that sort of come bridal wreath. I think they used bridal to make. They used, yeah, they used yeah. to sort of make headdresses out the flowers for brides and bride, bridesmaids and things like that. Um, but they're fleeting shrubs. I mean, some of them are quite nice um, in the fact that they're they're now coming with autumn colour. They've they've been doing an awful lot of continental breeding with them. But they're still boring. <laughs> boring and sort of
2: sticky. I don't know quite how to describe it. Not sticky as well, it's tacky. Yeah, shall stickier. we just say that
1: they all have a face for radio.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm similar about that and also about Deutzia as well, which uh, which has a pretty yucky smell, as I recall. But they, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, it goes back to this whole thing. It's about associations because I just... I, I think of them in my parents' garden, getting very tall and woody, and not very well pruned, and just being shrubs where everything's going on up here and not very much down there. And anyway, we should be kinder to them. If they, if plants, are most plants, well grown, they look they look all right. So
1: they look better than we remember them.
2: <laughs> yes, but yes, AGM really really useful and. Um, I think, as you, as you say, that's it goes back to these things that you can't take for granted that people know what that means, but mm. um, it's a very useful thing to know that
1: It's a useful guide, I think. Mm. So we're doing a collection of tulips. What else? <laughs> so I've got, I'm mainly focusing
2: on tulips and daffodils for year one. So they're limited edition collections and I've put together things that I think uh, work. Particularly well in certain situations. So I've got daffodils for pots and tulips for pots. Um, and then there are two collections themed around my two very small gardens. So there's a jungle garden theme, which has um, some beautiful uh, crown imperials um, and it's all sort of orange and black tulips and then um, have a gin and tonic themed collection as well, which has yellow crown imperials and and some really cracking um, yellow and white tulips like Exotic Emperor and trying to think what they all are now. I can't remember all the names, but <laughs> but one's Purissima, of course, but all ones that... Um, I grow and I've got I've got quite a lot of new ones coming up this year so there's a quite a promising yellow one called muscaday I don't know why it's called that because it doesn't muscaday doesn't say yellow to me at all but um yeah so I'm going to see a trialing lots of new ones in the garden this year to see how how good they are. But I'm always going to have a bit of a focus, I think, on what grows well in containers, because that's that's what I can assess most easily. And, I'm, and I, I want people, whatever size of garden, to be able to grow them, really.
1: I think that most people actually want um, tulips, hyacinths, and all the things that we've just been talking about, for specifically for containers, because uh, you get this time of the year, there's not huge amounts of color, um but there is of course if you look for it and depends on on your garden and the way it's planted but to get those wonderful zingy pops of color that's i mean just look at young boss and woodstock together that's a pop of color if ever there was i mean i'd never thought of putting those two together and i don't know why i haven't but i hadn't it just hadn't occurred to me so dan cooper thank you (laughs) (laughs) you're welcome the other great thing about about
2: bulbs is that you the, the timing of when they die down and when you can take them out of the pots it just about coincides with when you can put the next sort of lot of things in. So, you know, tulips may or may not decide to keep those. But um, the irony, though, the irony is, Alan, that so last year we grew a whole allotment bed full of tulips. It looked like a little miniature bulb field. And we dug all the tulips up, And in a similar way to we would with the ones in the pots, just decided we didn't want them anymore. Our allotment neighbour, Archie, who is 80 and has been a professional gardener for his whole life, said that he'd take them all off our hands. And lo and behold, of course, they're all flowering and he's (laughs) (laughs) magnificent display and even the bulbs that he thought were too small to be planted in his garden at home he lobbed them all into a pit I think on one corner of his allotment every single one's got a bud on it so
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know Dan what they say you win some you lose some (laughs) but if you can see them you're still winning yeah, we can still see them, and they're
2: giving someone pleasure. So that that's exactly. all that matters.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, as ever, Dan. Loads of inspiration. You always bring along such amazing show and tell, and uh, and it has been, I think, really good for me to sit here and cover some hyacinths. I think I needed that in my life. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they've probably not had so much airtime on anything for years so
1: well I, I tell you what though this is great listening to people when they've actually when they've physically grown them and they've watched the results and they've tried and they've tested them and this is what your Dan Cooper gardening really is all about I'm gonna shamelessly plug it now um, oh, thank you you're, you're probably going to want Flomo's, thunder are you
0: Oh well I am and it's interesting I mean I now have got some hyacinth flomo which I I never thought I would be saying so thank you Dan flomo by the way if you don't know is that sort of fear of missing out you get about a flower or a plant I always get a lot of it from you Dan in fact before we uh, sat down to record this I thought I would look back through some of our previous podcasts with you and um when we put these podcasts together and we're getting all the photos together I end up spending quite a lot of time looking at people's Instagram accounts and so I was trawling through lots of different photos and uh, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, you shared tropium tricolor or tricolor, however we want to say it, with tropiolum brachycerus, however we yes. say it, a yellowy one in combination with that sort of tropical fish combination of red and purple and yellow. And the two of them together, I'm not sure I've seen them combined before. And it was so spectacular. I don't actually have um, tricolor, so I, I I can't attain it at all at the moment. But what a lovely combo! Do you still have it?
2: I do. Yes, it's not started doing its thing yet, but I do. And actually, um, it, it was it was the last time we spoke that Alan reminded me to go and find my uh and tricolor because as as he correctly predicted, there were little threads. Uh, wandering out from the pot already. But yes, I've got them both and uh, they're looking very happy. I kind of have to sort of nudge them into a little bit of shelter. It, it gets very windy here. Um, they don't particularly like being buffeted about, but I, I don't find that they're too worried about the cold. But when I um, when I split my colour up, because it has these very sort of long... Uh, thin red uh, tubers, I will um, pop some in the post to you because it's very easy to easy to propagate.
0: Well, last time I was at Alan's garden, he had three big flowering tripods and uh, it was very tempting to buy one. But fortunately, they were so popular by the time I uh, had come back round, they'd all been bought. (laughs) 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 <laughs> within the space of about an oh. hour
1: of the garden being open. so uh... I'm going to try. I'm going to try them outside next year because I never have, and and the way the winters are becoming uh, milder, I think it's worth a risk. But I mean, choose your spot very carefully. Mm. Um, as you said, Dan, they don't like being buffeted about too much by the wind, so choose a spot which is as sheltered as you can, and also somewhere that perhaps is a little bit dry. I mean, a rain shadow in a corner somewhere, um, and if you if you've got a Um, just say a climbing rose or whatever uh, plant them so that they can weave their way up through that because the the branches above them we doing their weaving will give them shelter Hmm.
0: you said they're easy to propagate Uh, in our latest talking dirty newsletter go and sign up on our website if you aren't uh, signed up already but we were sort of talking about if you can if you've got a spare one definitely worth uh, testing their hardiness in, in different places because Hopefully you will have success with it. Um, and also, this is all, we always have to talk about tropiolums because every time you're on, Dan, I have to update you on my tropiolum pentafillum, which you assured me was very weedy. It is. It's currently <laughs> as Triffid-like as it's ever been in my uh, bathroom. And it's about to flower right by the mirror that I look at in the morning, which is very exciting. <laughs> there are upsides to not having a greenhouse. <laughs> Yes I mean it
2: is a it is a flower that deserves to be looked at quite closely because it's got kind of speckled I remember so yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I love it I'm very excited. Um, aside from those Flomos and um, because I've just been on holiday and I have been everywhere taking photos of well Primulas because I can never get enough of, of even just Primula vulgaris and its seedlings but also Narcissi and Thank you very much to people on Instagram who've been trying to help me identify various ones I've spotted uh, out and about. We think one I photographed was Mrs. Langtree, which is a pre-1869 heritage one, which I think I might be able to get hold of a few bulbs of and is absolutely beautiful, very delicate. And also Barrett Browning, which has got a little small orange trumpet and white petals. And I love a short orange trumpet on a, a narcissist. So... I think they've been added to my, my daffodil flomo list, which is very, very long and full of quite expensive variety. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, I've got the stamps catalogue, it is, is sits on the safe, and every evening I sit down and ah, there we are, yeah. Every evening I sit down and look at it and think, oh, yeah, some of them are, some of them are pricey, aren't they? But yeah, I love the, um, I take it to the local churchyard with me so weird, um, <laughs> because we've got this incredibly interesting uh, graveyard there, which has been extended over well nearly a thousand years, I think, um, block by block in a big long row towards Margate. And so you can pretty much date the daffodil variety to the age of the gravestones. And by doing that, we've and using the Scamps catalogue and other catalogues, we've been able to work out what quite a few of them are. It's quite a fun game.
0: So exciting! Yeah, mm. I, I'm not quite. I don't feel like I am. Um, well, I haven't done that yet. I think I might have to. <laughs> in cylinder, in the historical variety section, I saw the Picton Garden posting that one the other day, and I think that might have to be purchased pre 1921. one, that one a little bit, a bit crazy looking. Well, a couple up
2: from that is Van Sion, which... (laughs) um...
0: You have spent a long time in this (laughs) catalogue. Yes, I
2: know. Um, And that uh, we found growing on top of the cliffs um, here in Broadstairs last week, actually. And and that's going right back to the hyacinths again. You see that and you really do wonder why that's not a more popular daffodil, because actually... There's not a lot I would say that you could improve on. It's quite short. It's got these um, almost sort of curling round, sort of mustache kind of. Um, outer petals, and then a very double trumpet. It's a really neat flower. I can only assume that it must multiply incredibly slowly so it's not sort of commercially a great variety, but um, it's the cutest thing. And you would think that, and I'm not really a double daffodil person, but um, you you would think if that was was readily available now, it'd be really
1: popular. When I was a child growing up, we had an orchard of um, mainly apples and pears, and Van Sion was planted throughout the orchard. Um, and it it did really, really well. And when, I, when we came here to East Rusten, old vicarage, and there was hardly any plants in the garden, but there was a little clump planted on the south side of the house of Van Sion. And it's still there today. This year, the clump had 13 flowers on. Last year, it had none. So <laughs> I think it's telling me, please dig me up and, and, <laughs> and rescue me. Gosh, yeah, so I need to dig and divide it. But no, you're absolutely right. Very old, but still extremely lovely. Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah. Uh, Dan, where are you at with your Flomo? Uh, obviously, quite a lot of Scamps catalogue Flomo.
2: Yes, there's lots of that i I don't think I've done this correctly this time, so there's one flomo that is I have satisfied and i've and i, I nearly Ooh. forgot that i've I've got it here Well,
0: that's really yeah. interesting because this is something I want to spend a bit more time on uh, in future is this idea of flomos that you found, and I put it in the last newsletter. What shall we call it? Shall we start a hashtag and I quite like <laughs> hashtag flomo no more. And uh, and then we can try and sort of highlight some of them um, on uh, in the newsletter every month because I think the feeling when you find your flomo is so exciting, particularly if it happens out of nowhere at a nursery or a plant sale or a, you know an event um, or a kind gift. So uh, I think we should start hashtag flomo no more and yes. you can start it with your plant. It's my flomo no more. <laughs> oh, gonna, I had to
2: bring it in from the garden. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jacobinia porciflora, the Brazilian fuchsia. So um, it doesn't really look like it belongs in this time of year, does it? It looks like it should be late summer, autumn, but um, it flowers around now. And um, I've wanted it for a long time, but always thought that it was just too fiddly, too tender, whatever. It's not unhappy at all in my Garden. It hasn't hasn't spent any time indoors, um, and absolutely covered in those uh, little sort of tiny flowers.
0: I just love tubular flowers. It's got a bit of a courier thing going on.
2: Yeah. Yes, and I love couriers, as you know. So it does kind of go quite well. The the, the colour of this is much stronger because I don't think you get yellow in uh, couriers. but um, you do.
1: Yeah. Do you? you do. Uh, yeah. I'm... Very pale yellow. It is quite a pale yellow, it's primrose yellow, yeah. Um, yeah. but I've got a little dwarf one that I think came from um, Potterton's, I think, um, nursery in uh, uh, in Lincolnshire, and I got it about four years ago and planted it outside, it's on a raised bed in the sunk garden, it's flowering its head off, so it, it, I'm pleased with that. But this Jacobinia porsiflora is a plant that I think probably, uh, I remember that being grown in, in as an indoor plant, mm. um, and it it used to come out of the greenhouse and come into the house when it was in flower, but it didn't require too much heat, even, even way back then.
2: (laughs) No, I kind of quite like that little category of shrubs that are just, um, they're a little bit tender, but they don't require, you know, they they can take a fair amount of cold. I think couriers are the the same. Victorians thought they were a conservatory plant and then they're they're borderline. Um, so, and then I then I am really saving myself because on Sunday, although this is the most ludicrous thing to do um, when launching a new business, on Sunday I'm going to Cornwall, which is quite a long way away, um, for the Cornwall Garden Society Spring Flower Show, which oh. is my favourite flower show of them all because it's so um just sort of otherworldly really and it could only happen in Cornwall because the weather allows for a lot of flowers to be out that might not be out elsewhere in the country so I'm um really looking forward to that and however much I go with the intention of not buying a single thing (laughs) it it, it ain't gonna happen There, there will be all sorts of marvels there that I will be um I will be drawn in spying, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's best that you just try and not think about your flomos before you go to an event like that, because it could end up being an expensive and car filling affair. And then you have to deal with them all when you're launching your business. So try and show the kind of self restraint that I'm not familiar with. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I will try.
0: Right, Alan, where are you at with your flomo? Well, before I go into my flomo, I'd just like to,
1: to talk about. Plant names, but one particular plant name, and that's a rhododendron. And I don't buy many rhododendrons because we're so dry here. Um, but I did buy this one, and it's called Christmas Cheer. Now, wouldn't you assume from that that it's because it blooms very early? Yes. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> it doesn't bloom very early at all. It's it's just, a, well, it opened its flowers about a fortnight ago. It's a, it's a soft, sugary pink, take it or leave it, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But the reason I discovered that it was called Christmas cheer because it was gently forced to bring into your house for Christmas time, yeah. and you know, if, unless you know that, you're easily misled by the fact that you think you've been done. <laughs> I've just spent 15 pounds on a plant that I thought was going to be in flower for Christmas, and it's not. <laughs> but there you are, discovering something. My Flomo back to back to business. My Flomo. Well, my Flomo is nothing to do with flowers. I'm awfully sorry to tell you. Um, <laughs> Um, I've always been a bit of a renegade, and I'm going to do it again. And my FLOMO is going to be a Dan Cooper apron, but I now know that the badge will not be on my front here. So people won't come up to me and say, Hello, Dan, how are you? <laughs> um, and the other thing I'm going to want is a claw cultivator. So I'm, they're going to be my, um, my TOMOs, <laughs> my garden tools FLOMO. Um, and they are two of the most useful things I've seen in a long time. So, Dan, thank you very much for that. Thank you for the, all the hard work you put in on your website. I can only say that us and all the people that we probably watch us, I know Thunder Fairy, will be wishing you all the very, very best with your new venture. And long may it continue. And we look forward to having you back to talk about your bulb collections. Lovely.
2: That sounds good. So thank you. I mean, everyone has been so supportive. So I really hope I kind of live up to everyone's expectations now to deliver something great.
0: Well, from our sneak peeks, uh, by the time this goes out, everyone can just go and look at it and see. It won't be a sneak peek anymore. They won't need to put a password in, though I kind of want to just do that because it felt so special. Um, it's it's an absolute triumph, and I can only, you know, I can't really wait to see how much more it develops over the coming months and years. And, of course, you'll be back, as I said, one of our faves. <laughs> With your towel on your lap. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Faithful kitchen towel.
0: (laughs) But until next time, the very best of luck uh, with the beginning weeks and months of Dan Cooper Garden and we will see you shortly. Happy gardening, everybody. Happy gardening, everyone. (laughs) Bye-bye. Hey, Fordyce here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening, and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.